Verdadores. A dedicated dad and long-distance parent, I'm raising two boys in two countries, and in each episode, I invite another dad to join me in a podcast adventure to talk about our journey as parents. We will discuss the messiness of modern dadding and the challenges of long-distance parenting. At the end of each episode, I will be checking in with psychologist and fellow dad Todd Kettner as he shares his insights into parenthood. My name is Blue, and I am a Dad Without Borders. So welcome to the introductory episode of Dad Without Borders. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit different to the rest. In in this episode, I'm really focusing on my story and reflecting on that story with Todd Kettner, who will be a regular guest on the show as a psychologist and father of two. So I thought, what better way to start the podcast than actually acknowledge my story and set the stage for why I'm doing this podcast. Well, awesome. Todd, thank you so much for um, for jumping in and joining in with the podcast. I'm glad we could make this happen too. I appreciate you are a very busy man. And oh, so thanks for having me. Taking time. So uh, yeah, I'm just going to dive straight in. And um, I know you're a clinical psychologist and father of two. Yeah, it's uh, a fairly traditional family here. Uh, wife and two kids. Um, and uh, now we have one teenager at home and another uh, young adult who's back and forth a little bit um, and lived in Nelson for 20 years, except for a couple of years, one in the Caribbean, one in Toronto. So uh, oh yeah, um, around a little bit. So that's uh, our family. Are you guys, you guys from, where are you from originally? I feel like you're from the prairie lands. Is that right? Uh, I did uh, spend a couple of years over in Manitoba, but uh, grew up mostly in Hong Kong in Preston. Oh, wow. Very exotic. I <laughs> super urban, super rural. Wow. Yeah. Good mix. And was Nelson the move for the family? Uh, yeah, it was uh, exactly. where Tara and I decided we wanted to live and we moved here when uh, our daughter was about four months old. So, and then in terms of work, so as a clinical psychologist, what what is your work background? I know you do some counseling and some teaching. Maybe you could just give us a quick rundown. Yeah, for sure. Um, as I was thinking about uh, graduate school, I met with uh, the only psychologist in Creston and he said, hey, if you want to live in a small town, uh, try and do a bit of everything, be a bit of a jack of all trades. Uh, um, so I took that to heart in my training uh, rotations and uh, ended up being um, spending some time uh, doing adult therapy um, and some child therapy, child assessment Um and later on got into some family assessment for six or seven years. And you still do private work with men, is it? Or Yeah, right now I have a very small private practice. I used to be full-time private practice for years and years. Um, now I teach full-time uh, at Selkirk College undergraduate psychology courses and uh, a very small right. private practice on the side. And I just, uh, as a way of uh, meeting a, population that doesn't have a lot of uh, men to work with uh, yeah decided to sort of limit my practice because I can uh, refer other individuals to other places yeah yeah right so now I've had three great conversations with dads all very different backgrounds it's been really interesting actually um and 
I've got another one tomorrow. And people seem really keen. It's really interesting. Um, I know I'd shared with you my idea of doing this. If I reached, I've got probably eight, nine, maybe even 10 dads currently lined up, some of who I've already talked to. If I phoned any of them up and said, hey, let's go down to the river and let's go and talk about our feelings and just have a walk, it'd be really hard pinning any of them down. I know this from experience, but everybody seems really keen and they're hungry to talk and they're really excited about the podcast. So I'm really encouraged by this journey that I'm just starting here. But part of the reason I'm doing this is because I have a story that I'm I'm sort of wanting to share my experience in terms of losing custody of my kid. And, you know, my, so my seven-year-old now lives overseas. And so I see him in the holidays. We FaceTime most days. I'm really, in, I get messages from his teacher. I'm in contact with the school. So I'm really engaged and it's not been easy. So I'm, I've had to be really resilient and keep pushing to maintain as much contact as I want to have, which is as much as that I sounds like you have can. to be creative too, in order to make some of these things work, right? Sometimes it's hard for uh, uh, parents, um, even in the same household or separated in the same town to both have contact with, with teachers. Um, and I imagine, you know, you've made that happen. It didn't just happen naturally. Yeah, the, which is where I've gained some hope, I feel, is that actually through that day-to-day contact, even FaceTime, like, wow, FaceTime is such a lifesaver. I mean, I can't imagine doing this on the phone. Yeah, it just, it's, a, it's a whole new uh, avenue for maintaining contact, right? And there's something about, you know, whether it's uh, scheduled phone calls or scheduled FaceTime, which is obviously much richer. You can read stories together, you can play games together, you can, you know, do a bunch of stuff. There's something about having that scheduled time that um, is, is a unique, you know, kind of positive side effect of uh, parents when they're away working or in your case where you're on different continents from your kid, um, that there's something, there's a routine that allows a container and a space and a schedule and a commitment to spending that amount of time together, you know, X times a week. Right? Yeah, no, it's magic. And it has been every day, but of course, as school becomes more involved in activities outside of school and things, it gets a little trickier. But yeah, I think right now, the last sort of visitation plan that we have which hopefully will stick now for a while is a minimum three days a week but it was really sweet actually the judge this is in the uk uh and it was a great experience actually in court just recently uh she actually said uh it three times a week minimum but i like to think that it's every day and i thought that was really lovely actually Uh, she acknowledged that as a parent herself um that was yeah i felt really good about that and so, yeah, it she is set a floor on it. She set a floor on it, but said the ceiling is limitless. Yeah. Uh, so many experiences before were really fraught with, um, you know, mother versus dad. But this was all about visitation. It was all about making sure there was a balance and that both parents had an equal share of the holidays. And just an acknowledgement of how important it was for Seth to come and spend a quality amount of time here in Canada which was, which meant a lot to me, actually, because that's what I've always ultimately been, you know, trying to get. Yeah, super um, encouraging. Um, it's the first time that I felt, I don't know, that I was being respected as a father. I think, I feel like you have, you're someone that can have a very balanced view with your sort of professional background. And I feel like I have to acknowledge what has happened in the past, but try and do it in a way that isn't like in a heavy, dark negative kind of way so i would just like to share with you these quotes from it was after the trial had happened and of course so the background being mum was here 
to be with me. Relationship doesn't work. Mom wants to go back. I have a hard time giving up my son. So I decide that I don't want that to happen. So it was really this back and forth, you know, argument in court, essentially. And in the end, the judge decided that the best decision was that the child should go with the mum, but that I would have access when I was available and, you know, there'd be visitation plan in place. But this is the, um, the this is a quote from one of the witnesses, my, one of my witnesses. Um, and so this is the quote. I listened to the lawyer's final statement against Blue, and it was hard to just sit there and listen to the distorted story that he wove and watch the judge try and help him build on his case. Blue, you have been an inspirational to me over these years as a father, friend, and member of our community. You are resilient and resourceful. And that, to me, just kind of summed it up. And in a way, that was really nice for me to hear because I had a witness to, to what wasn't really necessarily... I mean, I don't even know how to put it into words, really. But it was just the fact that it was frustrating that it would all come down to two lawyers arguing with a judge that doesn't really know us and a decision made that was fairly harsh against me as the dad. And I don't know, it's just had, I think that's the one thing that I had a hard time with was doing everything as a dad in terms of like showing up for your kid and being really present. And then at the end of the day, the judge in the judgment um, stated that he further, he further compromises his earning potential by devoting too much time to his son. And that really sums up the decision, really, um, that I was just not enough in terms of making enough money. And I was being um, scolded for spending too much time with my son. Yeah, a witness was there saying that's a distortion of what's actually been going on. And I've had to just I've had to just accept that. And I think that's the biggest word that I could use for my experience is acceptance. Well, first of all, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the hardest things uh, parents can go through, right? It's not the hardest, but it's one of the hardest is, is being to a point with, uh, you know, an ex-partner where um, that level of outsider um, judgment, ruling, weighing, weighing all the factors uh, comes into play, right? Um, and it's not an unusual situation. Um, and so people who, you know, in my experience, who move through that well, are able to, you know, acknowledge how tough it is, you know, and you just talked about that, as well as are able to absorb uh, the positives uh, that may be sometimes few and far between, but you have this individual who, who um, not only sounds like they knew you as a person and as a dad, um, but was able to step back with you and you go, wait, wait a minute. Um, it's more important, you know, for this, for my kid to move across the ocean because I'm not, I'm spending too much time with my kid. Like, you know, it, it, it's an oxymoron, right? And so to, you know, it, not everyone has that uh, person or people or, um, you know, cohort, um, a group, group of friends and family and colleagues in their corner. And so uh, I would say to, you know, dads who are going through this process, that's really important to build in. And, you know, it might be a little bit of a, a stretch, given what you started this podcast with about, hey, I can't just say, hey, let's go walk by the lake and talk about our feelings. But you know what, um, as it moves towards the possibility of a court, uh, um, discussion. I think it's really important. 
and whether it's you know, the chairlift ride to talk to talk yeah. about things and it's you know we're not framing it often uh, as men um as talking about our feelings but um when we say hey can i pick your brain about my kid what's going on with my kid right now or you know what i've got some challenges as a dad can i just like run it by you and see what you think you know 99 out of 100 mates will say yeah sure let's go yeah i agree yeah i felt like it for me it was i feel like i just hid away i was focused on spending as much time with seth as i could when i had him because we i mean the great thing was we were 50 50 there was never an argument like that you know the mum has been great in that regard like there's never been you know and if i live down the road from her now there wouldn't be an argument about us sharing time equally which is awesome like that you know there are those positives in there for sure um it was just a difficult situation where two people just had and i would say different world views you know i mean sure. if you take take living in vancouver to living here where we live in the mountains like it's a very different lifestyle so there was that and then um I had a dad the other day that I was talking to um, that was interesting and his big piece of advice and he raised his son on his own. His son's now 22 years old and his mom is overseas. So in the U S um, but his dad's fully raised him and his, his advice for anyone moving forward would be don't worry about the judgment, ignore the judgment because people are going to judge you. People are going to think things, but really nobody knows you. And those that do know you, they know you. And to not take that on board. And I I hadn't thought of it that way. You're right. It's having that, yeah, it's having that family of, you know, circle of friends around you that you can lean on. But being being brave enough almost to reach out to them and say, hey, look, I need help. And I wasn't very good at that. Yeah, you're, you're really touching on something there, Blue, that, you know, in both my personal and professional life, I think I'm still learning and I hope I continue to learn on this, that... Um, what sometimes seems, um, you know, in stereotypical kind of uh, gender roles to be um, weakness, you know, in other words, not doing it on my own as this lone wolf individual takes a lot of courage, right? Because we're not only, um, you know, sharing intimate parts of ourselves and our experiences uh, with people and allowing them to be in that with us, um, but we're, were um, being courageous in, in saying that I don't have all the answers, especially at this period of my life, you know, whereas now, you know, your son's still on the other side of the Atlantic for many months of uh, the majority of months of the year, and you're finding a way to work out and work it out, work through it. And now you're one of the guys that has the ability to um, you know, even in conversations with people maybe don't know that well with your podcast or people you do know well with your podcast, where you can be, you know, in this in this outer circle for for other dads, right? Totally. You can come together in that increasingly in small communities yeah. and, then, you know, in society increasingly. I mean, there's a rich history and tradition of, of motherhood and womanhood and, and, and doing being in circles with each other around Doing exactly you. that. Yeah. If we can do that. Oh, we're getting somewhere. Um, with that too, actually, as you're mentioning that it's interesting to think of the, the, the dad's role in terms of strength. And I remember, I was just thinking today, actually, that I haven't cried in front of Seth, my boy 
And because I feel like it would be showing some weakness to him. And potentially if I do that, maybe he won't express his emotions because if he, if he's worried about me breaking down in some way, maybe he won't and he'll hold back. And so I've kind of been, and I'm not one to, I generally speaking, I I'm pretty well held together and, you know, I have sad thoughts and, you know, it's hard to let him go sometimes when he goes back to the UK, but this year we're walking away from the skate park and he'd said goodbye to his friend for the last time uh, for, for, for the moment, he'll see him again in the Easter. But, uh, and I said, well, that was it. And he didn't quite. And then suddenly he starts crying and he's really kind of, you know, he's having a moment for sure. And it is the last day we're here together before he goes back. And so I went down to hug him and I couldn't like him crying and me knowing. And so I started to like, my voice was broken and I had shades on and he couldn't see. And I wasn't blubbing, but it was definitely like, there was tears, probably a couple of tears rolling down the cheek. And, and he suddenly stopped and he kind of like, as I'm, we're hugging, he kind of backs off to grab my shades, to move them. So that it's like, what you're quite you have tears come out of your eyes like he had this moment and it was funny and i i wasn't sure which way to go i wasn't sure actually i was thinking okay i'm gonna stop i gotta man up here and show my kid that this is like you know do but then at the same time i don't know i'm not i'm still not sure what the right thing to do in that situation other than you know just be very authentic with him but yeah well, what do you think word, about that the word authentic strikes me that, that that's a poetic uh, uh, story there and you know your internal thought as I heard it is you know I gotta get I gotta man up I gotta get my shit together and my mind went to um, you're manning up by letting him take off your shades right, right. seeing all of you as a man right yeah all of you as a human right and right. you know you're he's looking up to you he you, you know you are his strength you are his rock and if it's um a strength and a rock that um can resonate with the feelings he's having of separation you know from his friend and from you um that's pretty powerful right it allows him that freedom going forward to know that uh um, strong men can cry um, yeah and i think that's good to hear because I think I I think I misunderstood. Maybe I didn't misunderstand, but um, from a pre from a from a counselor that I was seeing around attachment with Seth, fantastic, really great experience. Um, but there was there was one we were talking once about allowing him to express his emotions, but me not, and I may have got this wrong, but me not breaking down so that he felt every time he would express them so that he would maybe hold back. Like, oh, I shouldn't express this emotion because dad's going to fall apart again. And so that's where I think I was like, uh, oh, where's the right balance there? And I want to be authentic because I, I totally agree with that sentiment of, I think grown men should cry. I don't think that they need to like dust themselves off all the time and pretend there isn't an emotion when there is an emotion. So I think I just need to figure out where that fine line is, I guess. Or maybe there isn't a fine line. I don't know. To me, I think the, the, it's a relative risk, right? Like right. Yeah. how often are you in a situation where you're, um, you know, so overcome with uh, emotions that uh, your seven-year-old has to take care of you? Yeah, probably, see, that doesn't very, happen. Very, very rarely. Yeah, and it probably not. 
like yeah, these kind of tears are just you know like, gentle tears and a bit of emotion being you know just yeah just being that motion it's like watching a sad movie it's that kind yeah, of absolutely absolutely and so um you're you're being there with him in the experience and you're allowing him in the same way that you know <laughs> um um you talk about your friends uh coming around you um even though it's not the traditional let's go talk by the talk talk about our feelings by the way <laughs> yeah. you're saying to him it's okay to have a, a range of emotions you're modeling that and you know it's sort of ironic i think that we have this um unidimensional view of masculinity perhaps that says you know you know boys don't cry men don't break down you know those kind of things um and it's it's mostly it's almost exclusively to the emotion of sadness right yeah it's not to the emotion of anger yeah you know you know we can get in a cage okay we can get yeah fight for a belt and you know all of these things and if we're not in the cage you know of mma um, we're paying money to you know, yeah, we'll be in the virtual cage with it. And so, you know, the emotion of anger, we, you know, it's almost like in some cases there's, there's no filter on it, but with the emotions of connection, love and sadness related to, you know, so, you know, it's pretty ironic to me. So I, I think for most of us, most of the time has been, the balance is clear that um, we, we need to um, be more authentic about more parts of ourselves, both to our own selves and to our partners and to our kids, right? Totally. There's a documentary called The Mask. Have you seen it? Would you recommend that? Uh, it sounds familiar, but I can't. I can't pull it up in my memory enough to say one yeah. word. It's probably a few years old now, but it's okay. exactly that. It's about this idea of lots, lots of teenage boys and boy, boys of all ages, I guess, and men as well, being interviewed around this how free they feel their emotions and the fact that they were always told to be brave. That's a big, mm -hmm. brave. don't cry, be brave. And you still hear it. You still hear it around. Um, so yeah, I'm very conscious of that. I'm very conscious of that word, actually be brave. Mm -hmm. So actually, I try not to say that to Seth, but it's, it's exactly that really. It's like, no, if you want to cry, let it out. That's what I try mm -hmm. and encourage Seth to do. Well, wasn't the philosopher Kierkegaard, I could have this wrong that said without fear, there is no courage. It doesn't make sense. Right by definition yeah. um unless in, unless we worry unless we um care unless we're sometimes scared shitless um there is no courage right it would just be yeah and and so, something that we don't know well in society is that emotions aren't a continuum from you know so-called negative emotions like sadness and anger you know loneliness to happiness and joy and exuberance right that in fact um all of us are running all of the time with um you know two dials on the mixer board one is uh presence or absence of uh negative emotions and presence or absence of uh positive emotions right so this explains why you know we can laugh and cry at a movie why we can feel deep connection and desolate sadness at a funeral right it's not like it's a, a unitary uh continua it's two continua that are constantly in flux all of the time yeah and trying to trying to read yeah it's interesting as a dad because you just, I feel like you learn a lot about yourself. I feel like a part of it is 
um, a lot of reflection on how I was raised and what I was maybe lacking and maybe me overcompensating in some of those areas as well. Hence the lot of engagement, you know, and I think probably generational, generational difference, right? Like, you know, back with my dad's upbringing, you know, post-war and then, you know, very English upbringing, very strict children seen and not heard knowing their place and that kind of piece. And then a dad who I know, and I have great parents, um, but very much my dad was working. Saturday was mowing the lawn. Sunday was washing the car. And every year we'd have a two-week holiday somewhere, camping. Um, but the engagement and the, you know, that sort of, from a young age, that's how, I, that's how you saw a dad, was like a strong dad who goes out working and earning money. And you, I feel like I carry that blueprint of what is expected in lots of different ways, you know, in get a job, get a mortgage, get it, you know, do all the, those things that society, traditional society expects of you. And it's really hard to shake that. And that's where I, I would say, I feel blessed to have found the Kootenays because I feel like I found my people and my community. And I feel like it is a little different from some other places. And, and I don't think it's, there's been a sea change. I think there's still a lot of people that raising their kids in that way. Um, but I do feel blessed to find a place where, yeah, I can kind of, there's commonality in that respect. And other people are raising their kids in the same way with that kind of engagement and schooling and, you know, all these things. Um, is that, can I throw it back to you? Like how, how are you with the raising of the kids? Your kids are obviously a lot older than mine now, um, but you must've been through that, eh? Like you're a professional, you're a working man. Like, how do you get that balance right? Like, I mean, and you live in the Kootenays, so you've, you've got that with the weekend ski hill or whatever, but. Yeah, great question, Blue. Um, you know, when we were looking at different places to live, you know, we, we looked at it probably seven or eight different uh, locations around the Pacific Northwest. Um, and one thing that really struck us about Nelson was uh, when we asked around and we found out it was a town of 10,000 people with uh, 1,200 kids in youth soccer, you know. There's, there's something that said something about a community writ large in terms of the importance of activity and family connectedness and kid, kid positive activities, right? Um, and so, you know, I guess we've tried to do that, you know, um, tried to have activities that uh, we're engaged when, with um, our kids on, you know, teaching them to ski, um, Co- you know coaching their their soccer team their hockey team that kind of thing and um trying to always be aware of the balance of of when uh, work calls too much um when both in terms of you know hours worked in a week or unusual hours worked and equally as importantly you know for people in many professions whether it's business or a helping profession like i'm in having the, being aware of the tendency to have emotional and psychological space invaded even when I'm at home, right? Like in my own mind as I'm going through the day or as I'm thinking about um, some of the work that I'm doing um, and inviting um, both the kids and, you know, my partner to feel okay calling me on that and bringing me back to the present. And then intentionally building uh, communities of other guys who are going through the same thing, right? Like uh, have a men's uh, 
uh, book club that I didn't start, but was invited to and have been going to for years. Um, we call it Man Book. And it's sort of, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. The literary reference to the Man Booker Prize there. Um, and then another group that I did sort of initiate where uh, uh, five of us who are dads and uh, partners and, um, you know, enjoy life, but also struggle with the inevitabilities of that kind of thing where we try and get together uh, every other month, um, watch it. That's good. Yeah. And, you know, go for so Sorry, that's, that's as a couple. That's a couple's thing that you come together. Yeah, that's just guys. Oh, that's just guys again. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah. I find, yeah. That's we try to do a week long trip every year. We've been paddling in the. Oh, wow. Group. We, we went sailing in Desolation Sound. Another time we just uh, um, you know, did four or five days out on Kootenai Lake where it's it's just us as as dads and partners and, and men trying to figure so out. Can I, so, can I ask, when you guys are out there, you're paddling, you've had a long day, you're sitting around the campfire, are you talking about dad stuff? and about the missus and about the kids and about life as a dad, or are you just being present with each other in the moment, you know, talking about whatever, like, is it, are you consciously taking time to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's both, you know, some of us just having that sense of camaraderie for sure. And just, you know, having fun. Um, but our intention from the beginning was to, um, I think the first time we ever got together, we watched the happy documentary. If you've seen that, yeah. um, you know, and then we circulated some articles, you know, on parenting, um, you know, we've talked about books. So yeah, we get together and around the campfire, we're hanging out, having a beer. We're also, uh, you know, talking about sex. We're talking about partners. We're talking about, um, um, our kids and our struggles with our kids and our joys with our kids and, you know, our frustrations, um, and we've sort of, you know, built a culture around that. That was a right, yeah, bit yeah. of the initial intention, but you know, we have to kind of continually sort of uh, um, remind ourselves that this is part of what we're about. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I think for me too is uh, it's time, and I feel part of me too is I'm really good when I focus on one thing, but when there's multiple things going on, I can definitely I can feel the stress, like with work. I'm really committed right now. I, I'm not sure it's because there's some new exciting projects. I'm doing a podcast for work. Um, I'm working from home and it's hard to switch off and take time. Like I've been finding myself almost hermiting because I work from home. And plus the pandemic makes some situations a little tricky. So I end up, well, I'm just going to stay here. But yeah, making like tomorrow, me and a friend were talking about going out to the bush. And I feel like we keep doing this, but something will come up. And if it doesn't happen, I'll be quite happy because I'm like, oh, I can just sit on the couch. It's just not, it's taking too many things on. Like kind of, yeah, it's, it's almost overwhelming. It's like, I want to spend time with my son. I want to ski. I want to work. I want to go hang out with my buddy. I want to do a podcast. And it gets almost to the point where you can't function. So you don't do anything. Just go back to work again. And that's the, that's the happy place or the easy place to be. But yeah, path of least resistance. Yeah, yeah totally. But I do one thing that I've, really pushed for and created. And I think in this, in the community that we live, as you're probably aware, a lot of people do do the four day work week. Mm -hmm. And that's a saving grace for me. That's what really has shifted things for us as a family and makes it manageable to do all these different things. Yeah. And it's, you know, part of a family friendly 
workplace and we often think about moms and and uh, child care and that kind of stuff and um if if we just started thinking about it like uh, uh lots of countries including canada now do about you know parental leave you know then yeah. I, I think we'll uh we'll grow better men yeah most families now both parents are working so mm-hmm. everything has to shift Mm-hmm. Um, thank you so much for having me, Blue. It's great to hear your story of uh, uh, working hard um, to remain a uh, super important influence in, in your son's life. And um, I love that story of uh, letting him take off your glasses and, and see you being a courageous dad. Really appreciate you making the time to chat today. And uh, hopefully you can, we can do it again at some point. Cheers.